questions. Uh, the, uh, the first set of the four happened this year. It happened on, on Passover was the first one. And then, it, and then, of course, last night there was a second blood moon, which is on the Feast of Tabernacles, or they call it Sukkot, S-O-K-K-O-T, something like that. So actually, we call it Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and now the next one, now 2014, there was two, 2015, and they both, coincident, they both will be on Jewish feast days. That is a very rare event. Uh, according to NASA, there's only been um, seven. Uh, this is the eighth one. There's only been seven times that this has happened in the, since, the, since the first century, A.D. 100. That it has happened seven times where these blood moons have fallen on Jewish uh, holidays. On each time it fell on, on Jewish holidays, there was a significant change that happened in the nation of Israel. Uh, and uh, now... Since, the, since we have talked about the last blood moon, has anything taken, anything happened? Globally, has anything happened? Had we ever heard of ISIS before that? They came out of nowhere. Now, I'm sure that our intelligence services or whatever knew about them or whatever, but they was just a, it was like a blitz. They came from some nowhere and all at once now that's all you can hear on the news and they are they are taking city after city and they are declaring a state within a state they're controlling territory and uh, I think also Russia invaded the Ukraine uh, since the the first blood moon and uh, so a lot of things are happening globally when a blood historically uh, when there has been blood moons on Jewish feast days, it, it's not, it was not a good sign. Uh, any kind time there was a blood moon, it wasn't a good sign for Israel. And uh, she is now being surrounded big time uh, by this, uh, I don't know where they get their name, ISIS or I heard someone, some people call them ISIL, ISIL or something, ISIS, and then some of them call, I don't know what they are. I know they're, they're ugly, I know that. They are, they are extremely cruel. Um, I just can't imagine uh, killing little children like they're killing them. Like and they're doing the same thing? They're showing it on YouTube so people can get it. Um, they're, that is, they're, they're just killing people for no reason. Because of cartels. That's a cold, it takes a cold heart to do that, doesn't it? To, and then... And then to put it on, um, they put it on uh, this last couple of beheadings, they put it on YouTube and then put it out there for everybody to see. Um, that is a, a, a terrible thing. They are literally killing thousands of people. Thousands of people are dying. Um, the oldest continuing church in, in history, or uh, historically, the oldest continuing church, New Testament church, uh, uh, it was over uh, 1,500 years old. Um, they, they boarded it up, run the people off, closed the church up, uh, and, the, and the, the, the people had to, had to flee for their life and get out of there. Yeah, I'm telling you. So it's going to be interesting. The next, uh, the, the end of this four blood moons starts next year. Passover will be the first one, April 4th. It happened on Passover this year. It's going to happen on Passover next year, April 4th. And then, and then 
uh, 9 and 23 or something like that of 2015 on the Feast of Tabernacles will be the last set of the four, the four blood moons. Now, according to the Jewish, now the guy I was reading by, uh, according to the Jewish calendar, um, next year at the Feast of Tabernacles starts a Jewish a jubilee year. Now, uh, if you don't know what jubilee means, uh, our, 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 it's, a, it's a Sabbath year. Um, does anybody know, uh, every 50 years there was a jubilee year. And uh, does anybody know anything about what the Jewish history says about jubilee years? Now, how they get this is that every, every seven year was a Sabbath year. They would work six years. God would give them a double, a double harvest on the sixth year to, to make through the seventh. And then uh, if they, after seven Sabbath years, they would come uh, on that 50th year, uh, a jubilee year. So they would have on that sixth year, they'd have the Sabbath, and then the following year would be a jubilee year where they did no work also. All right, but on the jubilee year, all the land reverted back to the original owners. All the slaves went free. All debts were settled on that jubilee year. Uh, could it be that uh, on this jubilee year in 2015, when that blood moon happens and, and the Jewish people start their jubilee year, it could very well be the year the church gets out of here. Debts are canceled, slaves go free. It could very, you think, well, I don't know. Uh, and I'm not saying it is, but I ain't saying it's not either. Because it could very well be. All of this stuff just line up. There will not be another jubilee year for another 50 years. And so it's very interesting that all of this stuff would come up uh, on, on, this, on this. And then, and then there's also a... Not only are the four blood moons, but between the, the four blood moons, there's going to be a, a, uh, an eclipse. Now, how, how many knows how, what, how, what a blood moon, how a blood moon is formed? It's when the earth is between the moon and the sun. And the, the light of the sun going through the earth's atmosphere creates a red glow on the moon. But there's, there's also going to be an eclipse between uh, these these four blood moons. There's also going to be an eclipse, a lunar eclipse, uh, along with that. So it's going to be astounding. Now, I, I in my computer guy, I want you to look up Joel chapter two, Joel chapter two, verses thirty and thirty-one. Joel chapter two, verse thirty and thirty-one. And uh, I want to read this, and then we'll then we'll talk. Some, I want to share some things and kind of put a. a uh, closing on this this lesson called the church Joel chapter 2 verses 30 and 31 Joel J-O-E-L Joel chapter 2 and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day 
of the Lord. There are going to be signs in the heavens before the coming of the great day of the Lord. I'm, now, if you'll read the book of Joel just before that, he, he talks about, he prophesies about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then after he prophesies about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he goes right into this, that, in, that just before the great uh, day, an awesome day of the Lord, that the moon will be turned into blood. Sun turned into darkness, the moon will be turned into blood. Could it, could it be? The one thing that we do know for sure, that Jesus is coming. Okay? He's coming for the church. I, I think he sets all these things in motions for reasons. Uh, the, the sun, uh, the stars were made for signs. We talked about the stars. We, we, did, we did some star charts. They were, they were for signs. Uh, and so uh, the moon being turned to blood is always an omen, uh, a sign against something's going to happen in the, in the nation of Israel. So we know something's going to happen, right? I don't know what's going to happen to this ISIS. They have, uh, the, the world is getting in such a mess. Um, I'll tell you, when I see those guys, I get a little bit angry. And when they start claiming that they're going to raise a flag over the White House, uh, we might not put boots on the ground over there. But if there's enough boots on the ground here, we don't have to worry about the Army. There'll be a lot of local boys take care of business. I mean, you've got, you've got your guns and your ammo, and, and uh, ISIS might, they might take care of those people over there, but there, there's enough veterans that, and guys and Okies and rednecks and Hispanic guys that knows how to use a knife. and uh, You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I think it'd be a different trip over here, don't you? I think it'd be a different trip. I think they better stay over there. I think they're going to be a lot easier over there uh, than if they come to the States and try all that stuff. They might gag on their flag. All right, let me, ah, that's a veteran coming out of me, okay? <laughs> the church, listen, I want to get into this, and uh, we'll put an end to this, uh, what we were talking about last week. The world's view of the church is that it is a religious institution. That's the world's view, okay? The deception is this, that not all of the recognized organizations that carry the name church are part of the true church. Now, the, the true church is organized. I mean... I don't want to give you a misconception. The true church is organized, and it meets on corners all across America uh, and, and under various names, under various denominations or whatever. But there's also scattered throughout that visible realm, there's still some, thing, some organization that has the name church on it that is, that is a far cry, has left the, the biblical teachings of what it means really means to be born again. And uh, so, so uh, some uh, churches have taken all the songs out of their songbooks that it even mentions the blood. Uh, you know, so, so the, the deception in, in our world is that the visible church, everybody just drives by and says, well, there's a church there. Well, it may say church on the outside, but might, that not necessarily might be a true, the true church. So that's why it's so dangerous uh, and it's why it's important for the true church to stand up. And uh, it's important for you to know uh, what you believe. Okay? Now, the reason I say that is that, that the Mormon 
the Mormon Church, the Jehovah's Witness, and most of the cults, where do you where do you think they get their converts? Huh? From mainline churches. They they mainline from people who just did not know the truth. They knew about the Bible. They knew bits and pieces of the Bible. Uh, somebody who looks religious uh, comes to the door. Uh, we want to come in and have a Bible study with you. It sounds great. Uh, the cults are full of uh, Pentecostal people and Baptist people and Methodist people and all kinds of people that just did not know what they believed, did not have uh, the faith. And so you, for you, you and I need to know this book. Uh, we need to know what it says. We need, we need to be uh, grounded on, on the fundamentals of this book. We, but that's the reason they call us fundamentalists, okay? It's because you need to understand and know so that you won't be deceived and led astray. And, and if you miss the rapture, if, if you've got people, in fact, we have a CD or a tape. If you've missed the rapture, you need to listen to this tape and hang on to your Bible because it's going to be your guide to survival. That's true. So we, we've got tapes already made for people who, who cut. in fact, this church will be packed after the rapture of the year. Every church in town will be packed after the rapture from, from people who thought they were ready to go. So there is the visible church, and then there is the true church. Now get this. There is the visible, organized church that everybody sees, and then there is the true church. Okay? Then there is the true church. Uh, the church, even the true church, you know, I think if, that now, if you read the New Testament, they started out, I think, in homes. They started out in upper rooms. It started out from house to house, breaking bread and fellowship. As the church progressed uh, and grew, they had to get larger buildings. I think at the, at the time of Constantine, when they, when supposedly he recognized the church or whatever, then they started getting into buildings and, and, and the progression of the church. Uh, men began to organize. Uh, the church, the, you know, organizing a church is not wrong if it's organized right. And they organize it to, to propagate the faith and, and, and get, you know, keep, uh, keep it going and, and uh, keep the fires of revival going. Because how many knows that we're better uh, together than we are alone? We're better together than we are alone. And so men begin to organize and meet in, and build churches or whatever. But let's talk about this. What is the requirement for membership in the true church? What is the requirement for membership in the true church? Now, we just had a membership class, and we went over our bylaws, and we went over how we worship, and we uh, acquainted the, the members of, of, you know, why we do certain things. But what is the requirement for membership in the true church? Huh? You got to be saved. All right, go John chapter 3, verses 5 and 7, okay? You got it? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Now, go to the... Uh, I've got 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, okay? If you'll put that up there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. 
For by one spirit, we were all baptized into what? That's being born. That's what took place when you were born again. All right? For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. That notice those capital S's. All right? The Spirit of God comes, I mean, there is a supernatural uh, manifestation in your life. There, there's an act of faith and belief in your part. There's a supernatural uh, birthing process. You, you know, your spirit is made alive. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. There's a born-again experience. And we'll, we're going to talk about that in just a moment, uh, uh, how, how that happens. When we are born again, we become members of Christ's body. We become members of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. We, so now we, now we are not only a single person, but now we are connected to other believers. All right? So we're connected. That's what, the, that, that's, that's what, what we do. That's how, how the church operates, okay? When we are a part of the body of Christ, we are connected to believers everywhere. We are connected to believers everywhere. Wherever believers are at around the world, there is a spiritual connection between believers. That's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is, is a killer. Religion is cold. But relationship is warm. Remember we talked about last week that when... When the scriptures talks about the church, it talks about living things. Uh, it talks about, you know, things that are alive. And, and God's church, his body is alive, okay? And so uh, there's warmth. Now, for what purpose was a church a part of the plan of God? Isn't it strange? For what purpose? For what purpose? And I, isn't it strange here? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, before this thing ever took started, before the Garden of Eden before man was created, they got together, okay, and here's the plan. Yeah, we're, this is what's going to happen. We're going to, Adam and Eve, and what's the, but there's going to come a time when we're going to deal with everybody collectively. It's going to be known, as, we're going we're to call it the church. It's like Joseph's coat of many colors. They, they pieced this plan. God the Father and them, they got together and they pieced this plan together. And uh, even the devil didn't understand God's plan. He was confused about it. But God the Father, God the Son got this all together and, uh, and got the plan, the church, together. And the, and the church, see, up, up until the, he, he, he worked with the world as a whole to begin with. That didn't work out too good, did it? Eh, that, that, man, that ended with bad with a flood. Then he w worked with the conscience and the law and all those other things. And with a family, I mean, you know, he, he, he dealt with a lot of different things. And finally he said, I'm just going to make, Abraham, you come with me. I'm going to make of you a great nation, okay? I'll just, I'm tired of dealing with everybody. I'm going to deal with you. And then uh, that didn't work out so good. We had a great nation, and that didn't work so good. And God already knew that we were going to have a lot of problems with that. So then Jesus came to die and gave birth to the church. You and I who were outside the covenant all at once now the whole system changed now whosoever will 
let him come and take of the waters of life freely. Jew, Greek, big, little, black, white, red, the church is a whole conglomerate. I mean, they, they, we were grafted in. We, uh, we have become the church. It was God's plan from the beginning. He, he knew that, that all the, some of these things would fail, but he knew he envisioned his body, the church, on the earth, functioning with people not because they was driven to serve him, not because they had to serve him, but serving him because they wanted to. They fell in love with him, and they accepted him. That's what the church is. The purpose, okay? Remember when we use the term church, it's a reference to the body of Christ on earth wherever they happen to meet. John chapter 14, verse 12. Check out what he said the church would do. John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he, he will do because I go to my Father. He's speaking to disciples. I'm going to leave. Uh, but I'm going to impart to you uh, authority and the works that I, you have seen me do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delegate authority to you that you'll be able to do those works also. And so that was, that was his function. That's a, that's a purpose and the function of the church in the here and now. Notice under number one, the New, New Testament church met regularly for worship. It met regularly for worship. In fact, uh, if you read the New Testament, the book of Acts, they, they, was, they was constantly fellowshipping. They was together all the time. Now, I realize that in our day, we've, we've reduced it down to, you know, a Sunday and a Wednesday uh, or whatever. And some people have reduced that down to an hour on Sunday morning. But, but the New Testament church, the function of it is that we meet for worship. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is the, what is the purpose of a priest? Huh? To minister? That's right. To minister to God? He ministers to God on behalf of men. And then he turns and ministers to men on behalf of God. There is a, there is a worship going on. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sounds like people are making noise, right? The term worship usually suggests something we do in public. Something that we do in public. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, the early church. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They, it sounds like a lot of worship going on. Sounds like, sounds like a lot of excitement going on. Secondly, the New Testament church was built around fellowship. The New Testament church was built around fellowship. And I just read you in Acts chapter 2, but Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking bread and in prayers. There was fellowship. Churches are built, local churches are built around fellowship. We usually eat when we have fellowship. Oh, yeah. 
We, I mean, it, I mean, fellowship. It is more than just talking to each other, but allowing people to get close enough to help us. Someone said, fellowship is more than two people on the same boat. Fellowship, true fellowship, there is a connection made. And, and I, I realize that when we come to church, the mask is up. Most, for most of us, you know, um, and we meet and we say, how you doing? We sometimes really don't want to know. We ain't got time, you know. Can we talk? But that's not New Testament. That's not fellowship in New Testament church. New, real fellowship is coming to church and not being afraid to say, I'm not, I, I just need help. And being, and being in a place with a brother and sister that won't put you down for being honest. Most people come to church and even though they're Christians, they haven't got time to listen to it. And so we're missing a vital part of what real fellowship is all about. Some people don't come often enough to even get connected or known in the church. Can we talk? And then when we do come to church, we find our seat and sit down. And, and that's the reason, how many knows that I give people four times to connect every service? Why do you think I do that? Because that's just our tradition. The, you have, before church, those of you that come early enough, before church, if you'll come early enough, you have an opportunity to connect. That if you do need to talk to somebody, you can find out. Then we have, we release people, and I say, take a few minutes to go around and connect. Why do you think I do that? Just so give you exercise? Now, my, now the leadership has been told, you do that, and you look for the visitors in the place, and you connect with them, find out who they are, get, you know, find out some information about them, how, why they're here, or, you know, how they found out. Get, but the, for the rest of you guys, you, you, you go around, and you shake hands, and that's good, but it's a time to connect. That's the second time. Thirdly is in prayer time. Why do I have people come forward? Well, I, yeah, we, we have them represent their needs and have them come forward to represent needs. But when you come to pray with somebody, you have an opportunity to connect. They're going to share with you something that they want you to pray about, but there's something, they're going to share something with you that might be private. That you have an opportunity to really minister at that point in time to that person. And then at the end of the service, if you can tackle people on their way to the car. That's the fourth time that you have an opportunity to connect. Why do I do that? Because I want you, fellowship is important. Connecting is important. Churches are built around fellowship. Uh, and, and if someone comes, statistics, I think, says if someone comes to church, uh, they'll come the second time. But if they have not connected with anybody by the second visit of the church, they will not come back. Now, I, I don't want to lay that burden on you, but I do, I do want to give you statistics. Why? Now, next, next, now, this Sunday, when I turn you loose, <laughs> be focused if you see a visitor, please 
Go over there and make them feel welcome and connect. I'm not telling you have to take them to lunch, but, but make them feel welcome. Listen, you remember how you felt when you first visited a church? Kind of intimidating sometimes. So, so I want you to do that, okay? It's fellowship, okay? Fellowship. Now, it's more than just talking to each other. It's allowing people to get close to help. All right. Fellowship is designed to encourage and comfort others. Even Paul, you, you think, you know, sometimes you think, well, that person doesn't need, that person doesn't need encouragement. I mean, he's the great apostle Paul. Notice what he said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 12. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. He's talking about fellowship with a brother. And, he, and Paul was saying I, that, that I may be encouraged together with you. There, there was something going on between these two. And Paul was saying, I, I, I have that need. Yeah, I, I mean, here's a guy that's flowing in, in all the gifts of the Spirit. And he wrote possibly 14 books of the New Testament. You don't think, I mean, you would think, he don't need nothing from me. But yeah, he needs fellowship. He needs somebody to come alongside and put, put their arm around him saying, yeah, I know you're going through a tough time, but I, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And you and God and us, we're going we're gonna to work this out. And we're going to be stronger after this is over than we, than we was before we started. The enemy's picked on the wrong person to, to you know, to, I mean, encourage somebody and pray with them, okay? Fellowship is designed to encourage and comfort others. We are to build each other up. Now, the scripture talks about, and use the word edified. We are to build each other up. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Therefore, comfort each other and edify or build one another just as you also are doing. That's what he, how many knows that he's, he wrote this to a church? He's writing these instructions to a local church. And he said, just as you're doing, okay, I want you to do that. We are to accept each other. This is very difficult. <laughs> Romans chapter 15 Verse 7, therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us. Boy, that's tough. Because we all have our hang-ups sometimes, and our prejudices. Can we talk? We are, I mean, just as Christ received us, all of our blemishes, all of our hang-ups, all of our quirks and all that stuff he just loves us and received us and that's how we're supposed to accept each other warts and all now wait a minute let me get to the next one we are to sometimes hold each other accountable first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14 now we exhort you brethren warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted uphold the weak be patient with everyone Sometimes we have to, there's a time that you can pull a brother or sister aside and say, you know, yeah, you need to get your act together. Is this okay? You, need, you know, that's part of the church. That's part of the process of the church. That's the reason we get connected to local churches. That's what the true church does. Why, why do you do that? Because you're my brother, you're my sister. And uh, so that is a part of the mission and the purpose of the church. Thirdly, the mission of the church is to make disciples. Make disciples. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make what? Of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go, therefore, and, and make disciples. Go ahead, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. That's the, known as the Great Commission, but that's given to the church. That's what we are to do. We are to make disciples. How do you do that? You, you, you do it by teaching. You do it by teaching. Now, uh, I want you to go, uh, my computer guy, go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verses 30 and 31. John chapter 8. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You know what verse 32 says? And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now listen to me. If you are not a disciple, that verse 32 does not apply to you. Why? Because you are not the word, if you abide in my word. Now, now go back to 31. 32 is dependent upon this. And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now listen to me very carefully. You and I must get the word in our heart. It can't be just here. It has to be in our heart. Why do I say that? Because when you face your crisis, and when I face my crisis, and when you face the issues of life, if all you have it is here and you don't have it here, then you're going to cave in. Why? Because you are the Word of God is what's going to sustain you in, in your trials and in, in, in the pressures of life. Okay? The Word, now, the word is what's going to help you. And the truth will set you what? Free. The truth will set you free. But first of all, we're abiding in it. It becomes flesh. The Word became flesh. Okay? Everyone in the church, now listen, everyone in the church is to be a teacher are a learner. That's what a disciple is, a learner. Everyone in the church is to be a teacher or a learner. Now notice what I put at, at the bottom. Usually we are both at the same time because discipleship is a lifelong journey. You're going to be learning and teaching at the same time. What are you be doing? The people that are, that are ahead of you in the faith and a little bit more mature, they're going to be teaching you, at, okay, and then you're going to be learning and you're going to be teaching people behind you. Someone is following you. There's going to be a disciple coming up behind you. And so the process is repeated over and over and over again. And, it, and it's all based on the Word, okay? All based on the Word. Now, number four, the church, am I late? Have I got a few minutes? I got to get through this. The church is to be involved in acts of service. I'm going to go through here and let you fill these in. The church is to be involved in acts of service. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. Okay? Acts of service. All right? Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. We are to be, we are to be involved in acts of service. James says this, uh, faith without works is what? Faith without works is dead. What kind of works are you talking about? I'm, ta I'm believing that it's just works of service, of doing things. If we have faith, we're going to be working. Now, doing good with no strings attached. 
Our church is involved in acts of service, no strings attached, with the Christmas baskets and the, and the fall festivals and the, and the Thanksgiving baskets and all our dinners and all that stuff, no strings attached. Uh, no high pressure, no strings attached, just acts of service. During the year, uh, benevolent gifts, helping with funerals, all that other stuff, uh, that's acts of service. Every, ch every church is involved in that with no strings attached. Why? Because we represent Christ to the world. We represent Christ to the world. We are His what? Body. Number five, the church is to be engaged in evangelism. <coughs> The church is to be engaged in evangelism. Go back to the Great Commission. We cannot be content to just let other people do it or hire it done or depend on radio or TV. Listen to this next line. Evangelism needs a personal face. I could give you statistics today that might discourage you about evangelism. But I just, want to, I just want you to ask one question here. Under that question, how important is it to share your faith? How important is it to share your faith? Okay. The church is a family. Okay. When Adam and Eve was created, he created Adam with, with the seed to reproduce inside of him. Okay, when the church, when you became a part of the church, the DNA of the church, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The DNA, he passed that DNA down to the church. Okay, how was it that Mary had Jesus? Okay, the angel said the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. Okay, but the scripture says, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is a seed. No one can get saved apart from the Word. Remember what he told? Unless, except you be born of, of the water. How is he, he cleaning the church? The washing the water of the Word. Unless you are born of the water and of the Spirit, you can't be born again. Someone has to implant. You had to get pregnant with the Word. And then some so. And then some's going to come along and water it. Right. And then God's going to do what? Give the increase. But if we have, not, if we have no one planting the seed in somebody's heart, yet, see, there, there's people, why, why send a preacher? In fact, the Scripture says, how, how will they know unless somebody is sent? How can they know without? Why is, it, why is it important to send the preacher? Why is it important to send the witness? Because we're scattering the seed, and the seed is what's going to be, uh, cause a birth to come forth. Because the Holy Spirit is going to use that word. And it, it's going to work on their mind. It'll work on their spirit. But if nobody is planting the seed, there's not going to be any conversions. So it's important that we plant seed. We might not see the conversion. But we'll water somebody else's seed that was planted. Okay? And then eventually, God will give what? The increase. So it, 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 without the word, without somebody hearing, there is nothing going to take place in an unbeliever's heart. 
They, they, they might have that little voice of the concert. Remember the, the testimony of the guy Sunday night? It wasn't until he got into the Word and the Word, he read Ecclesiastes and God took him to the, to the place that ministered to him and because all was vexation and vanity and worthless. That was, what, that was the whole thing he was trying to get past. Life seemed empty and meaningless to him and worthless. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that first tape he opened up, just a coincidence, Ecclesiastes, where he gets the, the worldview from, from, from Solomon. And he said, that was me. My worldview was just like that. And he began to do what? Devour the Word. And when that Word began to get inside of his life, all at once, now he's kneeling in his friend's house and he's receiving Christ as his Savior. But before that, it did not happen before that word got into his heart. That's the reason it's important to share your faith. At every opportunity, let me, let me close and we'll get on with this, all right? How important is it to share your faith? No word, no conversion. Satan tries to silence our voice or confuse the message. Sixthly, the church is to be a keeper and defender of the truth. The church is to be a keeper and defender of the truth. Now listen to me very carefully. Paul says, on the last days, perilous times will come, and we're there. The Word of God is always under attack. Uh, God is under attack. Prayer is under attack. I'm telling you, the church, the true church, is the, is the, is the mainstay of of the truth. We are, we are the one that the truth has been invested in. We are to receive the truth. We are to practice the truth. Get with me now. We are to receive the truth. We are to practice the truth and protect the truth. James just simply says this, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And if you'll study that, you'll find out that word contend means, means a wrestling or a contest. In other words, all, all your strength, all your energy, earnestly contend. It's that wrestling match. Earnestly contend for the faith. What was, what's the faith? Can anybody tell me what the gospel message is? I know some of you pastors can. What, what's the gospel message? If I told you I want you to go downtown tomorrow and share the gospel, would you know what that is? Can we talk? All right, it's the Word of God. What is the gospel message? All right, that's part of it. Okay, all right. But, it, but what is the gospel? Okay, the, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived. He died on the cross for your sins, and he rose from the dead. Okay? The gospel message, just being able to share what Jesus has done, all of those were bits and pieces, but you need to put it, be able to put them all together. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified for my sins. He died for my sins. He rose on the third day, proving that he was God, and he's coming again. The gospel message message he's coming again died for you 
bled for you, shed his blood on Calvary for you. Okay? Used to be a thing called evangelism explosion. It was years ago. And they wanted you to learn the Roman road, you know. And it would do us well to, to learn these things because when you're witnessing, you need to have some scripture to back up what you're talking about, okay? For all of sin comes short the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And now what does it say? With the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay? I mean, we need to begin to, you know, I'm just saying, we need to educate ourselves, begin to share your faith, because no word, no conversion. No word, no conversion. All right. I helped you. It's right now, 8 o'clock. Who told me I was it? fibbing right here in church? I'm trying to get the preacher to hush. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. I don't know why you can show up to hear me go on, but I, I love you, man. I love you. Share, share, share your faith with somebody this week, okay? All right. God bless you guys. I love you too. Nancy, I love you.